to Inner Bloom, a podcast about how to live a happier, healthier, more harmonious life as you learn how to work with the universe, reconnect with your intuition, and bloom from within. I'm Alexa, a writer, producer, and EFT practitioner with a passion for all things metaphysical. And with me is my friend and co-host, Ambie. I'm Ambie, a physical therapy assistant, mom of three, an intuitive medium who has been communicating with the spirit world since the age of five. Some might call it woo-woo, but from our perspective, anything is possible, and we intend to normalize the abnormal by sharing our own life experiences as well as intuitive insights, channeled material, wisdom from special guests, and any other resources we believe will help our souls expand and thrive. All right, we are live. Hello, all you bloomers. Welcome back to another episode. I am your host, Alexa, and with me is your other host, Ambrosia Matthews. Hello, everyone. Loving your white sweater. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) That's what Julia said. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. So we are not alone. We have a beautiful, amazing, special guest here. Uh, relationship coach and transformational healer, Julia Phoenix. Hi, Julia. Welcome to the Uh, show. I'm so glad to be back. Thank you guys so much for having me on again. Yeah. And you're not just back (laughs) one time. You're back four times, baby. That's right. (laughs) All your listeners into shape to have a great relationship. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So Love Julie it. Julia is going to be on every Friday of this month for what we are calling Forever Love February because, um, you know, February is – Valentine's Day is coming up. Everyone's thinking about relationships and the relationships they want to have, the relationships they're not having and, and everything right. and how to have better relationships. So – Julia is going to be here sharing all of her amazing wisdom to to help our listeners have better relationships. Mm. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Julia, would you, um, you know, you've been on the podcast before and, you know, you gave us your amazing story, but for those, mm. of, for those of our listeners who are just meeting you, um, you know, and just hearing this for the first time, would love if you could share just a little bit of your background before we get into this week's topic. Sure. Um, I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. Um, I do like to talk a lot, but uh, as Alexa mentioned, I am a relationship coach and a transformational healer. I'm also a speaker. Um, And I love to share about my own experiences and how connection helped me to heal from developmental trauma, uh, from addictions and eating disorders. uh, And, you know, just a host of other (laughs) Fun issues that you know I've I've, I've struggled with throughout my uh, my life, and the methods that I've found that have worked best for me uh, tie into the work that I used to do actually, which is uh, working with children. So I was a preschool teacher. I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time. My background is in early childhood education and development. So I have a, a bachelor's degree and early childhood education, um, and I have a master's degree in human development. But I worked with children uh, for about eight years, actually, and I taught preschool for about six. And so now what I get to do is uh, work with the inner children of adults who grow up to have a lot of relationship dysfunction uh, because primarily of the ways in which we're imprinted in childhood. And so all of these different experiences that I've had, um, my own struggle and sort of healing path, the ways in which I learned to work with children, my spiritual awakening have led me to this place where um, I'm able to sort of reach the subconscious in a specific way and also help adults to find uh, concrete tools to help them have successful relationships, help them create them, but also to build them and maintain them, which is sort of where I'm going today is more the maintenance part. Once you've already got the relationship. So we're going a little bit backwards. Um, uh, is that, is that, uh, can I jump in? I want to say that <clears throat> if I can, that I've been working with, uh, Julia, um, Julia is my coach. And I just want to say that I would highly, highly recommend working with her because 
we just started, but I actually have, it really shifted my perspective on like my relationship with um, my sister and my mother, like the Mm. really important relationships, not just my husband's relationship and myself, but like the relationship with my parents. And so actually today it was really interesting. My mother and I had a conversation about my childhood and usually Mm. she's in a lot of denial and things like that. But I approached it from a very uh, non-aggressive point and we were actually able to have like a really beautiful conversation around it. And I really feel like that's because of the the meeting that we had and the work that we've been doing because this was something that was so triggering for me before that I couldn't even talk about it. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I really appreciate you being willing to share that openly on, on this platform. And it is really like evidence of how powerful this work is. It, it, it has the mm-hmm. ability to shift how we respond to situations that typically mm-hmm. will trigger us really badly. Um, it's a reprogramming of your subconscious and your, um, your body even. And, you know, when we change the internal, often the external will, will change. And I also love how you pointed out the connection between um, the relationship with your husband, like these very important, um, or you made maybe more of an, a, a distinction there, but these very important uh, primary relationships from our early childhood, because those patterns do follow us. So when you work with those relationships, um, it, it really has the power to shift everything about mm-hmm your relationships in, in all areas of your life. So thank you so much for that. Be appreciated. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, we learn how to communicate from our caregivers, right? So 100. we take on their, their good communication, their bad communication, and then we create those, those continued relationships, whether that's um, continuing the pattern of trauma or changing that pattern. Um, And I think I just want to point out that I think that's something you're really good at being on the other end of that is seeing that pattern and shifting it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, Part of that is my own trauma. I'll say because you get very good at leading people when you need to constantly do that to stay safe and predicting what people will do um, and being able to see trajectories, being able to make connections between things, being able to kind of read between the lines and read the energy. Um, so just throwing that in there as well, you know, there, there's always some, some gifts and some difficulties. Right. <laughs> yeah. Triggers are that. But yeah, you're absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's where the gold is, you know? So um, you mentioned about the communication and uh, obviously that's what, you know, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Is it okay? Is there anything else before we just sort of dive into that? No, let's dive in. Yeah. All right. I love (laughs) talking about this topic because um, I can't give you an exact percentage, but a very high percentage of the uh, relationship difficulties and actually, in fact, breakups that I see, it's not about the issues that people think that it's about. It's about the communication around the issues. And these communication patterns, like Ambie was mentioning, they take root really young and they're very dysfunctional. And we don't just mirror our caregivers in terms of how we communicate. Sometimes we communicate as though we're responding to them. We have to adopt a certain pattern. So it's like, for me, I learned how to perform and say what people needed to hear. And I learned how to shut my mouth about certain things. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So my pattern in relationships in the past was to just go mute, <laughs> you know, around specific issues or say yes when I meant no. Yeah. Uh, Or say something was okay when in fact it wasn't Mm. or just disappear entirely. So these are all, I'm I'm kind of wanting to go through um, some of the negative relation uh, communication patterns that, that we see in relationship and then move on a little bit into solution if that's okay. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's one of those patterns. You might be somebody that just kind of 
like freezes up, has a tough time speaking, you know, as they say, your truth, it's such a cliche phrase now in the personal development world, but you have a tough time speaking your truth. You have a tough time standing up for yourself, asserting boundaries. Um, You might be someone that just snaps and you say a whole lot of stuff you wish you didn't say. That was me. Yep. (laughs) Cause I learned that's that's one other yeah. pattern. Yeah. Yep. I learned at a young age that that's what you do when someone makes you upset is you say really mean things, you know? Right. Yes. And that was normalized for you. Right. Exactly. Right? Yep. Yeah. And that's normalized for a lot of people. And that's why it's surprising sometimes to people when I say, you know, people normalize fighting, like arguing like that or mm-hmm. yelling. It is not normal to fight. Anyone who tells you if you're in a relationship, you just fight. That's the way it is. I, I don't subscribe to that notion. It is absolutely normal to have conflict. There is going to be conflict in every relationship as long as people are being honest, right? <laughs> but we we don't have to actually fight. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm really, part of my work in the world is to like champion effective conflict resolution rather than fighting. And it can be done. But like Amber was saying, we learned this from our, from our family. You know, that was the, uh, the only other mode that I had basically. So I had, and that one would come out very rarely with me, but only with specific people. It was like, I was either mute or I was, yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. And then when I hit a point where it was like that codependent rage was just bubbling up, it was, it would, it would explode, you know? Yeah. That would happen usually only with romantic partners. Um, but that was what I saw with my, you know, with my mom and my dad. And uh, that's, that's just, we don't, we don't learn about this stuff in school, right? Which is a shame. Nobody really sits. I mean, in preschool, actually, I've, I, I, you know, I've made a big effort to teach the kids and, and they, we start sort of teaching about like, well, tell to me how it made you feel when he took his toy. But it's like, we don't further that as we grow older. And so I feel like that's actually where most people are stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, Alexa, yeah. tell Ambie how it made you feel when she said that, you know, yeah. <laughs> I felt sad. You know, it's, it, that's hard for people to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It is hard. And it's uncomfortable. Um, and, and even when I think people are trying to have effective conflict resolution, because we don't know how, um, or communicate through conflict especially, but communicate in any way, we communicate in ways that promote defensiveness in others. So um, it's sort of this a subtle way, as particularly the English language just does this, it's a lot of you and it's a lot of like, mm. you know, if you really cared about me, you would, or I can't believe you did X or all of those things. Even if you're trying to communicate about it in a way that is respectful, you're not raising your voice, you're really clear, you're being authentic just by virtue of the way that you are phrasing something. Right. It can put someone else on the defensive. And when somebody else goes on the defensive, they feel attacked. What are they going to do? Attack. They're going to attack you right back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they're going to, they're going to deflect. So then it becomes the ping pong match. Mm. You know, you know, you know, you, and it's this adversarial relationship that we have with one another immediately about something really small, right? Like a freaking dish. Or like you stole my blanket. I have seen couples break up. I shit you not. I've seen couples break up over the blanket fight. You know? Yeah. It's not about the blanket. Right. Right. (laughs) It's about how we're communicating about the blanket. And sometimes it's about the underlying issues there. I actually feel like you don't care about me Mm. because you don't care about when I'm cold in the bed. Like that's a bigger issue, right? But we're not communicating about it. And we're doing this ping pong thing. And, and then, um, you know, it's a matter of time before things just sort of uh, explode spectacularly. Or um, there becomes this underlying atmosphere of resentment. Mm. And resentment is the killer of relationships. And we start to resent people when we feel they are not hearing us. 
and, and they're not understanding us. They're not feeling where we're coming from. And we make it mean that, that they don't care. And, and then we, you know, we start sort of subtly hating them in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And then pretty soon it's like, well, this isn't working. You know, when if they that couple would have known some simple ways of communicating, would be willing to practice, because it's not necessarily easy, it takes willingness. But if they would have sat through that, they may not have had to, you know, to part ways over a blanket yeah. <laughs> or a or a Tupperware container or or something even bigger. Yeah. You know, you can if you know how to communicate. You can really make it through so many really difficult things too. Yeah. Big things, small things. Mm-hmm. One of our uh, viewers, Ashley Yukic, I think I said that right. I don't know. Says, once you enter that explode mode, it's hard to self-regulate and step away from the conversation. Kind of caught mm-hmm. in between wanting to solve the problem right now versus coming back to the conversation so it can be respectful and productive. What are yes, your- absolutely. What are your views on that, Julia? Like, so, you hear those things about, oh. like, never go to bed mad. Like, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I've never actually had to really go to bed mad at my partner. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think it's advantageous for us to um, light everything on fire uh, in the sake of, you know, for the sake of, like, we're working this out now. So we're just going to, you know, scream at each other because we're that charged. Mm. What I, what I want to, what I want people to, to start to think about though, is that there's such a lack of communication happening in most relationships that we're not communicating about things when they're little. Mm. So we're not catching the fact that when, you know, my partner rolls over in bed and steals the blanket and I try to yank it back and he yanks it back. I, I'm not feeling um, cared for in that moment. And I actually feel unsafe because it's a physical need that's like not being met. Yeah. If I were to have a conversation about that or, or something else that frustrated me, right. Or that felt like I had a, a, a smaller feeling of anger. Like when he didn't take out the trash, that made me really feel angry. I felt really angry. You can communicate about things like that when they're small, mm-hmm. so to speak. Uh, but when you're letting things build, because we're not talking about things, sometimes we're not even aware of it. So this this also takes a lot of self-awareness in the moment to just be willing to catch yourself. Oh, that didn't feel okay. Mm-hmm. And then to, to talk about it, actually, um, because it's when we don't do that, that that explosion happens. What I will say is that when you feel like you're getting to that point, it's like um, it, it, it can be really beneficial to take a step back and process the anger. Sometimes it's an energetic release that needs to happen for people. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I need to scream into a pillow or I need to just, you know, talk shit for like 10 minutes straight <laughs> just <laughs> to someone else or to myself, you know? <clears throat> about the situation so that that energy can kind of move and mm. discharge. And I can honor the part of me that is in that anger space in that moment, and then come back to the conflict with a bit of a clearer mind. Sometimes we have to do some individual processing if everybody's that charged. Um, but then I would also recommend that we come back to things as soon as we can, right? We don't want to leave something for days on end because that that's uncomfortable and it's sort of, uh, doesn't really promote the trust. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. That totally, totally makes sense. We, um, I, I think I'm really good at talking to Alexa when I'm angry with my husband about it <laughs> to try to like get that that energy out there, and also to say like I don't want to come at him like this. You know, I don't want to come at him with this attack mode and like ready to fight and all of this. So I'm going to go to Alexa with that. Right. And then go to him with a civil tone and say, hey, like, I really want to talk about how that made me feel because that violated my boundary. And I really want to talk about that with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I this is this is 
awesome that you're mentioning this, Ambie, because it it brings up this point. If you're someone who goes to anger first, yeah, and you're gonna yell, that means that your response to trauma um, probably was uh, fight in terms of the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Mm-hmm. You probably are more of a fight type. We would call that. If your response is like to kind of go, oh no, it's really fine, and like, are you okay? And like, that's okay. You can take my blanket. I don't mind. Like, I'm not that cold. Then you're probably a fawn type, a right? Fawn. If you if you can't actually say, yeah, it's also called tend and befriend. It's sort of newer that that people are talking about this in the in the psychology world. Yeah. Um, if you're the type that will like just kind of choke up and literally not say anything, like your mind goes blank, you're more of a freeze type. And uh, if you just run for the hills and avoid conflict at all costs, you're more of a flight type. So it can be really beneficial to get to know kind of your response when you're feeling unsafe, because what that is what happens, um, particularly when we're in a conflict, is um, our our bodies are registering, I'm not safe, because this is a this is a primary attachment figure. If we're talking about a partner, this can also be with a friend or anyone. Um, And there's a fear that we might lose connection. If we've had past traumas where we were hurt in conflict, you know, where we lost people, we're going to, our body's going to remember that. And we're going to project that sort of onto the current situation. So all these things can be happening in your body. And what I want to encourage you guys and, and your listeners to sort of do is just notice what happens. Notice what happens in your body when you're triggered, when the conflict arises, what your tendency is. And you may not be able to pause at first, but after a while, you're going to be able to pause and make a different choice um, if you if you really cultivate that awareness. And then, of course, some of the work that I do with clients and that I'm doing with Ambie, as she mentioned, can really help to actually sort of um, regulate those responses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> love all that. That's such like helpful information. Can I ask a question yeah. before you read a comment really yeah. quick? Um, what about, would it be beneficial to know what your partner's relate, um, response is in that Abs- situation? Yes, absolutely. And these are conversations that, cause, cause communication, it's not, I mean, I've, I'm talking a lot about conflict because that's where people struggle the most, but right. <laughs> it's not just about conflict. It's about what is real and true about you. Right. What do you need? What's real and true about me? What do I need? What happens when we get into certain situations? What are our patterns? You know, how can we move through those? So we have conversations preferably about this outside of when there's conflict. Um, so Antoine is actually more of a fight type. He's not that way as much with me. Um, but it's helpful to know that. It's also helpful to know that, you know, about his particular trauma. Like if I go into a flight response, that's going to really, really trigger him because his biggest trauma is abandonment. And I know that about him. Mm. So he told me this from the beginning. If we're in a conflict, my boundary is please do not just leave. Do not get up and go. If we, Mm. if we agree that we need to take some space and then, and then that happens, then that's okay. But this is just an example of the kind of things, you know, you, if once you become aware of a pattern, I highly, highly recommend that you communicate it to your partner. You know, I sometimes freeze, my mind goes blank. I need you to be patient with me and notice and then ask what their responses are like so that you can move with those. Because it's not going to go away overnight and it's not really kind to ourselves or to them to expect that these responses just won't ever come up. Right, right. But it's can we have awareness around them? Can we communicate about them? Can we find solutions so that both of us can feel safe and remain connected? That's mm-hmm. the goal is we remain in connection, even when we're triggered. Yeah. I love I, that. I, I think mm-hmm. um, I, sometimes I think we can forget that like this per- – <laughs> it's like we forget that like we – this person is like not only our partner but like our friend, you know, like our – like like – like someone we want to be with. And I think we can get into these patterns of like thinking they're the enemy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we literally forget, right. wait, this is my friend. <laughs> so Exactly. 
yeah, so it's it's really yeah, it's really interesting to um yeah, to be talking about all of this and um I I wanted to share a question from our Facebook comments. J- Justine sure. asks, "What is your view on liking to be mean as a way to release energy and not feeling bad it hurts someone else's because you feel justified?" Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. Totally. I mean, I think I think I understand, and and she can absolutely, you know, just just write in if if yeah. I'm if I'm totally off base. But what I what I feel like she's asking is um, about you know when someone sort of has almost like an enjoyment around being mean, or or maybe not enjoyment but relief when you're, you're, you're mean and you say those cutting things and hurt someone. And I have a sort of unconventional, um, take on that. I actually have a blog that I wrote, uh, called the statist and the empath, um, (laughs) talking about Lucifer and Jesus. It's, it's kind of like a cool Mm. thing, but anyway, uh, the digression, the, the, the thing to know about when we're, cause this is a, a, a sort of a sadistic, uh, you know, behavior we're talking about, right? Right, right. There is a function of of sadism that most people don't realize. And that is that the underlying positive intention behind it is to try to create empathy, actually. So what it is, is that you hurt me. Mm -hmm. I'm hurt. Or maybe this person wasn't the one who hurt you, but somebody hurt you. Right. No one knows or sees or cares. No one is in my reality with me in that pain. So I need you to hurt like I hurt. I need to externalize that part of me that was hurt. And I need to feel not alone in it. That is so true. I did that my whole childhood to my mom. My whole childhood. Really? So mean to my mom. And she was (sighs) so nice to like, but I was hurting over stuff from my past and I felt like no one got it, and I just I yeah. wanted I wanted to bring my mom's happiness down so she would be with me. I don't think I thought of you it that want- way until you just said it. But I wanted to. I knew I wanted to bring her down, but I didn't realize to be with me. Yes, yes, to be with you, to be with you, because it's incredibly painful and lonely when you feel like you are the only one in your private island of pain that that is that is a hell that i can't even describe and and some some people i'm sure that are listening know exactly what that feels like and and so it's not that you're a bad person and and this is the thing i don't believe in bad people in general i have kind of like out there views on this sort of thing but you know i i mentioned i i taught preschool right so this is where i learned this idea in in when i was a preschool teacher we have kids that do behaviors, right, that we would label as problematic, or some people will call them problem kids, or they're bad kids, right? The kids that bite other kids, that throw toys, that, you know, scream bad words at teachers or whatever. What I really got was that those children are always doing those behaviors um, for a positive reason. It's either to uh, get a need met, that they don't even know that they have sometimes certainly that they don't know how to communicate about, um, you know, or to, to feel better in some way. It's, it's like they, they're, they're trying to express something very valid. They're trying They're So it's like, what is the actual need? And that's, that's always where I'm going with people. What is the actual need? And you will find that there is a very valid need behind anyone who is um, behaving quote badly that, that they just don't, they don't, they don't know or believe that they can get that need met any other way. It's the same thing with, I think I mentioned like school shooters um, in my life. I just, I just go, go right there. Um, But, but it's, it's really, even when, even with someone, I mean, I'll go that far, even with someone who's um, who's got a gun to someone's head, it's like, I want you to feel such a powerful connection to me. Like I need you to feel me in this powerful way. I need to be that significant and important in your life. And you need to know how much pain I'm in. You know, I'm pulling you into my reality in this forceful way. 
Um, and so the solution, of course, then is connection. And it is learning how to be in one another's reality and be with one another's pain in a different way so that we don't have to do that stuff. Yeah. That's why this work is so important to me. I think of the school shooter that um, got interrupted by the basketball coach. Remember? I don't know mm -hmm. if you saw that on the news, but the basketball coach saw him in the hallway and just hugged him and embraced him. And he didn't end up shooting anybody. He had the guns oh. on him, but the coach just like told him like, I love you. You don't need to do this. Hugged him on video and then got him help. That makes me want to cry. Yeah. And it, it like avoided that, a massacre. That is a, the perfect, that's the perfect um, example of what I'm talking about. So, so for the person who asked that question, I would say, you know, looking at what are people, what do you need people to see about your pain? What do you need to see about your own pain? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we won't even acknowledge that that's us. And so we have to externalize it. And, and this is hard to do. This is why not everybody does it. You know, sometimes it's easier just to yell at someone. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to say I'm, I'm an asshole. I've been an asshole. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've yeah. been wrong by, by um, trying to make you feel pain because I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's mm -hmm. hard to admit that you're even in pain. Exactly. That's really hard for, for a lot of people to admit. Because for some of us, if we admitted that we were in pain or if we showed that we were in pain, we actually did lose connection maybe in a subtle way, like people didn't really want to, Oh, okay. Like you even, you even have some of that now, like in the whole spiritual culture, like high vibes only, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. you're going to get pushed away. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants to be pushed away. And so, and nobody wants to be punished or withdrawn from. And so we're fine and we're fine until all of a sudden we're not, you know, and, and we might lash out on someone else if we're not taking ownership for our emotions shame is another really really big one and i want to get I, I really want people to understand about this um till swan has a really great video about this actually i think it's called deflection the coping mechanism from hell <laughs> i think that's what she's called i love teal she's my mentor by the way i want to give credit where credit is due actually so people should check her out because i have all of my work is is you know influenced by her by others as well but but particularly by her but Essentially, what happens is that when somebody triggers a, a point that causes us to feel shame, shame like like Amby, you were you were sharing, like um, you know, it feels like uh, you've been an asshole, and 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 you don't want to look at that because that makes me feel like I'm a bad person, and if I'm a bad person, oh my god, I'm like exiled from the tribe, right? Which is some hardcore shit when you're talking about your body. Yeah. Um, so your body goes into this response and you go into this like shame space, but oftentimes we don't even get to the shame because we immediately deflect into anger. Yeah. So it becomes, I'm not the bad person. You're the bad person. I'm not mm -hmm. the asshole. You're the asshole. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. And that's what you're watching when people are fighting a lot of the time is they're just tossing their shame back and forth, back and mm -hmm. forth because nobody wants to take ownership um, because they're so afraid to feel shame. So what I'm really understanding just is coming through through this conversation. Maybe this is a less like a, a message that needs to be shared right now is that it's really important to be to to be willing to feel feelings, <laughs> to have a successful relationship in general. But to communicate, you have to understand what's really there, and you have to feel some really uncomfortable stuff. I totally like that all resonates with me so much because I mean, even going, even just going back to like the spiritual bypassing and like everything's like not being willing to, not being willing to feel the low vibes, right? Because um, mm -hmm. I, when I, and I think a lot of people go through this when they have an awakening, like you go through these different phases of like, oh, everything's amazing and I'm going to stay in the high vibes and I just want to stay in the high vibes and I don't want to feel any pain anymore. But then you kind of realize, what spiritual bypassing is and you realize like, oh, actually like, and for me, what I'll say is I realize and I've been going through, especially in the past year, opening up and realizing that, that was actually like a closing and that 
opening up and feeling my feelings has allowed me to feel other people's feelings, Mm -hmm. not in an unhealthy way, to actually hold space, as we say, and to be with them in their feelings and to say, my my dad, um, I was – my dad, like, I had a very um, – my dad, like, basically confided in me about something that was very personal to him recently. And he said to me, I'm, I'm, I've been very afraid to share this with you because I thought you were going to get angry. I was like, why would I get angry? And he's and, I, and then I thought back to a few years ago and was like, oh, yeah, that person would have kind of gotten angry because you're lowering my vibe. And I recognized and I got to have the experience of being in this absolutely comfortable space of being holding his hand and looking him in the eye and being 100% comfortable to say, I see you and I love you and I'm here for you and we can talk about this as much as you want and I'm not going anywhere, you know? Mm. And that's only been a- – and so I've only been able to have closer relationships with everyone by – feeling my feelings and then being comfortable with other people's feelings. And so I think, yeah. you know, when you stay in this space of high vibe only, you, you're, you're surface level only and then all you get is surface level and then you get yeah. angry because you're not connecting with anyone. You know, you don't right. feel love. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we will push away in others what we push away in ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So you're absolutely right, Alexa, the, the willingness – that you have to feel your own feelings is going to be directly related to how you're able to show up for other people. And, and that, what you just described, just like the essence of connection, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm just here. I feel you. Like, I know you're feeling me. We're here together. It sounds so simple, mm-hmm. but it's relatively rare. And a big part of that is because of the resistance that we have basically collectively to feeling Um, Or to feeling anything that isn't, you know, high vibe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Um, Well, so how about, you know, going back to, or not going back to, going forward to, how about, unless you had something that you wanted to talk about more on this subject, going forward. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, going forward (laughs) to solutions. So like the one, something that's popping into my head is what you were saying about like, you do this and you do this or even calmly when you, like, you do this, you know, even just using that as a jumping off point, how can we communicate in a way that is effective and feels, um, feels, like, collaborative and feels like we're seeing each other and we're hearing each other and we're not attacking each other? Hmm. Absolutely. Yes. I I would love to share more about that. Um, so the first step is, is, is going to always be sort of self- empathy and understanding of your perspective. But then it's about um, really empathizing with the other person's perspective. And and the goal needs to be, how are we going to create understanding Mm -hmm. between us? There are really only two movements in the universe you're moving away from or you're moving towards. So we we can start by asking ourselves that question in the moment of conflict. Am I moving away from or am I moving towards? Often the knee-jerk response will be to move away from. I have sat in a room with my fists clenched, wanting to run out the door so badly <laughs> through conversations <laughs> with my partner. But I am always so glad that I that I stayed. And our 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 commitment always is to understanding one another's perspective with compassion and empathy. So there are a few ways in which that gets sort of. Uh, you, you know, a wrench thrown in the, um, the machine. It, it, and one of the big things that we do is uh, we're judging and we're assuming. And, and this is a lot of what I'm sharing is going to come from um, the book, Nonviolent Com- Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. I want to actually recommend that to That's like the third everyone. Time. That's like the third time that book has come up recently. Girl, get the book. Yeah. <laughs> it is so good. I read it about seven years ago and I studied it um, even in my uh, master's degree program. And it absolutely changed everything about my relationships because it changed the way that I communicated. Um, and so, you know, two of the principles are to basically stay away from um, judgments and assumptions. And that's challenging because it's mm-hmm. like, if um, 
if Antoine doesn't take the trash out, that's my partner, by the way, <laughs> if he doesn't take the trash out, I might make an assumption that he just blew it off. Mm. And then I make that mean that he doesn't care. Yeah. You know, and, and you can see how the energy that I'm going to come at someone with, with that belief or that judgment is going to be very different. And the words I'm going to choose are going to be very different than if I'm going in with curiosity. So we want to instead go in with, there's a desire to understand. We go in with curiosity. I don't, that's like, maybe I don't know. Maybe it feels like I know, but I want to ask, I want to understand why would he do that? Hmm. You know, what was going on? And so we want to always ask questions and remain open to the, the other person's truth. And if we don't understand, we ask clarifying questions. Uh, so that's really, that's really, really important. Um, the thing to get that I really wanted to share too is that often if, if you're someone who runs away from conflict, um, 100% of my relationships are better because they have had conflict in them that I have successfully resolved. When we have a rupture in a relationship and we move towards each other in this way and we stay, even when it's hard, right? And we try to understand each other and we talk, talk it out and we feel seen, we feel understood and we find solution together. There is a safety that gets established. We feel that in our nervous systems. It bonds us. And, and we, we lock that memory into our bodies and into our fields. We know that that person is going to stay through another conflict. We feel safe. So, um, I mean, I guess I just threw that in there. <laughs> in well, case. Alexa and I just talked about that on our episode that we're releasing tomorrow. Is, oh, okay. Is that like, that's, I was saying that that's how I feel in our relationship, Alexa, and, and mine's relationship. Yes is that like, I feel safe. I don't feel like either one of us are going to leave. Like, I feel like we can have a conflict and it's going to be resolved. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be okay. Yes, exactly. And that's, that's security. You know, they talk about like attachment styles. I might share more about that on another podcast, but Probably it, it, a good idea on a secure me. attachment, that's a really good way to get one. Mm. Um, so there's that. So this is a, the case for making the case for staying through. The, the conflict and, and continuing to communicate. Um, I want to share the four-part nonviolent communication process. It's very simple. Uh, basically, there's a focus on um, self-responsibility. You, you want to stay with self-focus. How did it make me feel? What do I need? <laughs> you know. And then we're asking questions about the other person. We're not assuming anything about them. So step one is just to share the observation. It's a it's a very factual kind of this is what happened. So you might say uh, something like, I don't know why, I'm just going to use the covers example. Maybe there's someone who's listening right now who has this issue that like, needs me to yeah. talk about. Um, when you pull the covers off of me, and, and that's just the observation, I noticed you pulled the covers back again um, after I pulled them back onto me like two times. <laughs> that happened, right? Second is to share the feeling. So when you pulled the covers off of me, I felt, you know, uh, I don't know how you how you might feel. I felt mad, or I felt frustrated, or I felt sad. Um, and so a feeling. The next step is, is to communicate a need and a feeling is always telling us, this is the other reason why it's so important to feel a feeling is always going to communicate to us about some kind of a need, whether that need is, is relating to the past or the, the current uh, context, it's communicating about a need. So if I feel unsafe, uh, my need is for safety. You know, my need is to feel safe, right? If I feel lonely, my need is likely connection, right? So uh, you want to think about 
what you need in this situation. And you might not know at first if this is an on the spot sort of thing, or you might know in a general way. I need to find resolve with you. I need to understand more, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but the more specific you can be about, about the need, the better it's separate from part four, which is the request. The request is like a specific ask, you know, um, or a suggestion if you have one. So what I would like to request is that we buy another Mm -hmm. blanket. What I would, you know, that might be more Mm -hmm. like the the solution down the line, but what I'd like to request is that um, we share the the blanket evenly. I, you know, it's probably not the best example to go super in depth about, but you know, is there any, do you guys have questions about that? I just want to say that Alexa and I are doing really good at communicating because this actually (laughs) happened the other day and I think we kicked it out of the park. Yeah. Much, much better than like a year ago. And, and I want to say though, yeah, I was going to say, and, and we talked about this today, like it was, it hasn't always been this way. It's a muscle. It takes practice. It's absolutely. You know, and even with the abandon, you know, even with feeling safe that the other person would leave, that took practice. That took yep. con- multiple conflicts and seeing that the other person was still there. Oh, yeah. So, you know, this is to say, and I think this is what you're saying, Julia, is that, um, you know, if you're in a situation that is not like that, it doesn't mean that you can't make it like that. It just is that the train is going kind of fast in this direction and it has to kind of slow down and then start going in this direction. Momentum has to slow right. down and go in a different direction. So, um, but yeah, I think we do communicate pretty well, but it, it has taken practice and time. Yeah. Practice. Yeah. practice it does practice. take that. Yeah. And it takes, you know, two parties that are willing to kind of look at some uncomfortable things maybe about themselves or try some new things that feel uncomfortable. And that's not everyone, but sometimes, you know, if, here's like another little like trick that I want to, I know we're kind of running out of time, but I want to like throw this little tidbit in there. Um, This is really important, not only to understand about yourself, but to understand about other people. This bit I was sharing about the, the um, feeling being linked to the need. And so anyone who's expressing any negative emotion towards you in any kind of way has an unmet need. Like that's just what's going on. So if your partner comes home from work and is grumpy and, you know, kind of doesn't want to talk, um, you might anticipate or ask questions about the need or about the feeling like, wow, I noticed you, you know, you're, you made a beeline for the bedroom. Uh, and when I'm talking to you, it, it, it feels, or, or I'm, I'm getting the perception. I'm, I'm having the perception that you're not really wanting to uh, to connect right now. Is that true? Do you need space? Do you need to talk about it? You know, mm-hmm. find what the need is. Find what the need is within yourself and within the other person. That that is the the best piece of advice I could give. Actually, I love that. That's such a golden nugget. The emotion is connected to the need. So true. That's yes. a quote for social media. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, um, find the need. Find the need. Uh, Julia, well, it this has been awesome. There's so many like juicy mm-hmm. nuggets and to, and you know, if if people even apply like half of what you've just shared in here, I think this could be uh, a game changer for, you know, relationships of all kinds. Um yep. So thank you. We're so excited to have you uh, as our special guest expert for this month. And you'll be back for the next three Fridays talking about, you know, different parts of um, love and relationships. So I just want to, before we get to sharing all of your information, because we want, you know, people to reach out to you, um, I want to share with people listening, um, if you guys have specific questions about any of this, like, or any, anything within this topic, uh, email us or Facebook us or just let us know. Send smoke signals, telepathy somehow. <laughs> let us know because uh, we can we can relay that to Julia and you know maybe Julia can. Oh, you know, I would love something that. around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to meet your listeners just where they're at with what they need. Yeah, actually, the need so. find the need. Yeah, uh, tell me what you need, yeah. you guys. Communicate, <laughs> communicate the need. Yes. Yeah. 
Homework. There you go. <laughs> Julia, where can people find you? Um, yeah, where can they connect mm-hmm. with you? How can they connect yeah, with you? Yeah, you can connect with me on Facebook as Julia Phoenix, um, on Instagram as at Julia Phoenix 11, spelled out like the, the number is spelled out, not uh, 1 1, but 11. Uh, you can email questions.julia at gmail.com. Or you can visit my website, which is currently under construction, but there's some stuff on there, which is Julia Phoenix 11, again, spelled out, uh, .com. And, and I really welcome, uh, I welcome emails and I welcome messages and things on Facebook. Um, I have a, a community of folks, Julia's Inner Child uh, Playground and Healing Community on Facebook. So you can also connect with me there and connect with other like-minded individuals. Um, and I've got some special offers for your people. So Ooh. if <laughs> I know I'm going to, I'm going to give like a big discount if they want to do my, if they want to work with me. Um, I think I'll share more about that next time. But what I will share is that if you want to know more about it, you can reach out to me on, uh, at the email that I gave or on Facebook and, uh, we can set up a call actually, uh, without any pressure and it'll be free and all of that. And then we can talk more about it. Uh, hefty, hefty discount for the beautiful mm. audience. Do Thanks. it guys. It's worth it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Julia. That's so, so kind of you. And yeah, like you're, you know, this woman is amazing at what she does. We've seen her in action. <laughs> Ambie has worked with her personally. So yeah, yeah, if this, if this calls to you guys, um, take her up on it. Uh, while the offer lasts, we will put everything, uh, Julia, we'll put all your information in the show notes. So if you guys need to, you know, uh, find any of her info, just go there. Um, and we will be back in another week, uh, with you for more. Um, I can't wait. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you. This was so fun. Thank you so much. And until next time, everybody keep on blooming. We love you. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch for a reading with Ambie, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Until next time, remember, open your heart to the seeds of love and light and bloom from within.